You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. In Teleseek Nielsen Buzzmetrics, Chief Marketing Officer Pete Blackshaw goes on the record online. You know, I think advertisers will start to disproportionately align their dollars against, um, you know, mediums where there are, um, you know, high levels of engagement. You know, YouTube or all the online video players, um, they may not have the, people may not stick around for 44 minutes, but they are highly engaged in the medium, and therefore the advertising um, may actually have a higher order of impact relative to other, other venues. And thank you for joining us for another episode of On the Record Online, the podcast that brings you the story behind the story. If this is your first time listening, this is the podcast where we do in-depth, one-on-one interviews with journalists from the mainstream media, as well as, from time to time, discussions with influential podcasters, bloggers, and newsmakers about how technology is changing and threatening to disrupt the mainstream media business as we know it. I'm your host, Eric Schwartzman, founder and chairman of iPressroom Corporation. Uh, If you're not familiar with iPressroom, uh, we have a software platform that is hosted on the web, and it is used by uh, organizations, uh, usually corporate communications or uh, marketing uh, departments, to uh, integrate the web into that company's marketing communications and PR initiatives. Uh, so we host the uh, the website, and we have a series of tools that uh, can be used for everything from email marketing to podcasting to uh, search engine optimization, uh, measurement, tracking, all that good stuff, too. I am also personally and professionally fascinated at how technology is changing the way organizations communicate and the way people consume media and information. Today we have a one-on-one interview with IntelliSeq Nielsen Buzzmetrics, Chief Marketing Officer, Pete Blackshaw. Uh, For those of you who uh, don't know Pete, he coined the term consumer-generated media. He is quite prolific in uh, in the area of new media and consumer-generated media and uh, and quite articulate on some of the uh, issues that are shaping uh, that industry. Uh, So uh, I hope you get a chance to listen to the whole interview. It runs around uh, 28 minutes. Uh, A couple things I'd like to mention before we play the interview. Uh, The first is uh, that I'm going to be teaching a class on new media at UCLA. Uh, That's going to be starting in the fall quarter. Uh, So if you're interested in a sort of overview class, we're going to bring in a number of speakers, guest speakers, and it should be a lot of fun. Uh, So I hope you have a chance to check that out. Uh, Now uh, we are going to play for you the interview with Pete Blackshaw. Um, But first, I want you to listen to this advertisement about... Uh, and, you know, Pete, I'm sorry, this is a 30-second spot, so, uh, you know, you're probably upset at me for playing it. But the fact of the matter is, uh, it is the uh, uh, revenue generated from this company that pays for this podcast. And so now we are going to listen to the advertisement, and, and after that we'll come back and hear the interview with Pete Blackshaw. As always, it comes entirely unedited after this. Don't be left behind. Get the latest online PR tools and services from my press room. Powerful, easy to use, available on demand. 
Extend your sphere of influence online with iPressroom, tools for online media centers, virtual private press rooms, RSS news feeds, podcasts, and more at www.ipressroom.com. iPressroom, always on, even when you're off. Pete Blackshaw, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. So now when we met, gosh, almost two years ago, I think we were on a panel together at Bulldog Reporter, and you had just pretty much introduced IntelliSeq. Yeah, that's right. In fact, I think we were just talking about the whole, you know, emerging podcasting and consumer-generated media space. And since we last talked, the space has really been validated in a big way, punctuated, I think, by our roll-up with our number one competitor, Buzzmetrics. They were based in New York. We're based in, well, IntelliSeq was based in Cincinnati. And we were kind of folded into the Nielsen family. Uh, VNU took a 51% interest in the company. And I think it's a real sign that the market is taking Buzz Analytics seriously, that a very, you know, traditional research company is considering this to be a key area. And it's been an absolutely fascinating ride over the last six months. I mean, we've added about 60 new clients. And I think probably the biggest thing since you and I talked was I think more companies are looking at this as must-have. I mean, it's almost insurance in some respects. You cannot afford to do business without knowing what is being said about your brand, whether people are saying in message boards, forums, blogs, podcasts, video, you name it. So it's pretty interesting. Well, I mean, you certainly have a, uh, a terrific reputation as the guy who coined the term consumer-generated media, and you have said a lot and continue to say a lot about that on your blog. What I was hoping we could focus on in this discussion here is podcast measurement specifically. Sure. And I know that there was a, a recent report that was issued by Nielsen Analytics. You told me you weren't directly involved with that, but you did have some knowledge of, uh, of the general, I guess, um, um, summary findings of that research. Do you want to just go over that real quickly first? Yeah, well, I think that the, 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 the study appears to really confirm, you know, what a lot of us have suspected about the podcast space. I mean, it claims that 6% of web users have downloaded podcasts, which is clearly a pretty significant number. Again, when you and I first were talking in San Francisco, it was probably in the 1% to 2%, and this is clearly pushing uh, mainstream. And what's interesting about the report, again, kind of looking at the top lines, is that it's not only that 6% of adults are downloading, but the amount of time they spend with the podcast is pretty extensive. I think they cite 44 minutes per, which is amazing in an era of media fragmentation and fleeting attention that you would have so much um, you know, attention, if not engagement, against the particular medium. I think the challenge moving ahead will be for advertisers to figure out how to participate in that this kind of new form of um, you know the you know this podcasting in a way that you know preserves the um, you know the excitement the uh, the entertainment value and doesn't compromise it in any way and I think you know I think that the report spoke to you know a number of different players that were doing a fair amount of experimentation but I think we're in the very 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 early stages of advertisers starting to figure this out. So one of the things I see here in the press release about the uh, about the uh, the uh, report is that um, 60% of, of those surveyed uh, said they always fast-forward past the commercials and that women were more likely to fast-forward than men, um, with 67% saying they always fast-forward. Uh, so I don't think there's mean? a big surprise there. I mean, our a study, we did a CGM engagement study last year, and we pretty much netted out in the same place. We didn't focus on 
podcasting. We were probably more focused on TV. But I think there's just a general rule emerging about ad skipping behavior. I mean, consumers are frustrated with advertising that gets in the way of what they're doing. And insofar as, you know, uh, you know, the, the fast forward button is now being made readily available to us. You know, we're we're taking full advantage of that. It's not always easy in the context of 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 it's not it, there are some barriers in the context of podcasting i listen to a lot of mine when i jog you know so it's not really easy to fidget with the ipod when you're you're doing that so that does kind of put a special um, you know, um, almost a special importance on that particular statistic. Um, but no, no, I don't think that's a big surprise. I think advertisers in general are struggling with it. I think that does beg some questions for advertisers about how do you do it right. I think the notion of the interruption where you've got the, you know, the you know, 30 second, you know, ad. I know I've given Joe Jaffe some grief for doing that in his podcast. And it just, it kind of is a buzzkill on the experience. And I think we're just going to have to figure out what's the right way. It might have to be, you know, Kimberly Clark or P&G brings you the mommy cast. And that's really all the, you know, <laughs> that'll be the extent to which you're haloing over the show. But the idea is to let the show do most of the work in terms of the brand sell and not the interruptive advertising. And most companies will just have to learn as they go. So in terms of, of, of the actual metrics, should we be looking at podcasts and measuring them like conventional electronic media is measured, or are there different measures we should be considering? If so, what are they? Well, I think there's a number of ways of looking at it. I mean, clearly, I mean, anything online and digital, I think, notches up quite a bit our ability to measure with high levels of precision how people are engaging, you know, the platform, the download, the time spent, the even to some extent the you know the the pass along so i think that you know from the get go anything digital is going to be an improvement uh, against what you have offline then there's some other things you can look at and this is where our model gets pretty interesting so we don't necessarily focus on the like the server side measurements such as what you would get from the nielsen net ratings we will look at the conversation the depth of engagement, the talk value. Again, was the show, was MommyCast so interesting that moms on the Moms Forum decided to talk about it? And I think that's a really important metric for advertisers because at the end of the day, we not only want to know the transactional things such as did they click, did they see, but we also want to know depth of engagement. And so, you know, we'll try to, you know, we've had a lot of clients that have launched podcasts, and the very first question they will say is, so, did it generate buzz? Did people talk about it? It's not necessarily did they, how many downloaded it. It's, you know, it's, it, did it kind of create unique currency out there in the conversation? And that's where it gets pretty interesting. And sometimes it can be very humbling. A lot of times the commentary is pretty much throwing endless tomatoes at it and just saying this was horrible. In other cases, it's, it's highly instructive in terms of this was a good event. Or they might dissect it and say, I love this section, but I didn't love that section. And again, I think it all comes down to clients really listening in to figure out what are the, um, you know, the best opportunities. And even if you're not podcasting right now, listening to the conversation, whether you're using our firm or some other firm or just doing it yourself, can be highly instructive in figuring out where might you enter into the podcasting space. Because you can't just go out there and do a podcast. You really need to, it has to be something that's, that's you know, original, fresh, inviting, entertaining. I mean, you know, you've been, you've been iterating as you go to figure out what's going to keep a credible audience listening, right? Yeah, but what I'm, what I'm interested to know is, what, explain us depth of engagement. Break that down for us. What does that mean? 
Well, boy, that's that that that's the sixty-four thousand dollars question in marketing and advertising today. We just did a uh, a webinar, and we were shocked at how many people participated. Um, all about the whole new engagement metric, and I think that what the advertising community is trying to do is come up with a metric that goes beyond reach and frequency to some higher order of involvement. And it could be a click, it could be propensity to speak, it could be. Um, you know, posting something on your blog. It could be, you know, all the way to the sale. But the idea is it's something beyond these sometimes overly simplified surface level metrics. And I think advertisers really want to know to what extent is the advertising event or the brand event, you know, taking consumers further down the road. And I think podcasting is, by its very nature, you know, takes the notion of engaging to an extra level. Again, I mean, going back to the earlier statistic, 44 minutes per podcast, I mean, that's a pretty shocking number. It's not that they're listening to a long play commercial for 44 minutes, but the fact that people um, will actually listen to an on, you know, kind of a on-demand um, program for that long on average is, 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 pretty, is pretty amazing. And I think that you'll want to, that advertisers will probably, this is a prediction, not, you know, this is a hypothesis, you know, I think advertisers will start to disproportionately align their dollars against, um, you know, mediums where there are, um, you know, high levels of engagement. You know, YouTube or all the online video players, um, they may not have the, people may not stick around for 44 minutes, but they are highly engaged in the medium, and therefore the advertising um, may actually have a higher order of impact relative to other other venues. But again, I think that's, you know, that if I, if I were out selling podcasts, if I were flipping my job over to the sell side and trying to sell advertising, I would be testing like crazy to figure out um, how I could make a persuasive case to brand marketers that the podcast medium um, in, you know, in its different, you know, forms and varieties um, engages consumers at a much deeper level and that level of engagement carries over into wins for brands. You know, on the qualitative side, there's a great story to tell and it's, it's, People believe it and and they seize on it, but there are no standardized metrics to back it up. And on the CPM side, in conventional print and, and electronic uh, advertising, obviously there's the qualitative story and then there's the quantitative metric to back it up. So if you look at something like, say, uh, depth of engagement or the other thing you mentioned, talk value, how do you actually come up with a quantitative value uh, that – that can be standardized and that you can actually sell against? Well, we are, from the buzz side alone, we are coming up with all sorts of standardized metrics. I mean, we are measuring, you know, volume of buzz, specific issue within buzz. We're measuring polarity. Was it positive or negative? Eventually, we're going to measure depth of emotion. So were there different type of emotional sources? You know, where it emanated from? I mean, in the case of podcast, it may be more important to the advertisers to know that um, a greater share of, you know, listeners, you know, tend to hang out on um, TechCrunch versus, you know, Joe's Forum. And, you know, you can begin to really dissect, you know, are the right influentials, are the right audiences kind of listening to the platform. But there's no limit to the number of metrics. And where, where I think we have some work to do, and we're actually very busy working on it right now, is trying to figure out how do you begin to overlay our metrics on top of, you know, Nielsen Net Ratings or Nielsen Media Research or perhaps this other Nielsen Analytics group that did the study, I think that's where you'll start to create some really holistic 360-degree measurements. And I think that will come. I think it's just um, you know, a matter of time. I mean, again, a lot of this stuff has just popped onto the scene faster than 
you know, you can say podcast. And so <laughs> to some extent, we're all pretty busy catching up, certainly in the buzz space. I mean, again, we started monitoring blogs, forums, you know, community spaces, and suddenly all this, uh, what I call, you know, CGM squared or consumer generated multimedia, you know, jumped down to the scene. So let's say a podcaster came to you and let's say money was not an issue. And they uh-huh. said to you, Pete, I need to figure out how to measure my show. I need to know everything about it so that I can take it to the marketplace and I can sell impressions to advertisers or so I can integrate marketers into my program in some way that's creative and interesting. What, what walk us through from a high level the process by which you're going to take them through to give them the metrics they need to do their job? So I would do it at a couple of different levels. I mean, number one, I would, you know, I'd probably recommend that, you know, separate from Nielsen Buzz Metrics, that they have some type of mechanism, whether it's through, you know, Nielsen Net Ratings or some other service out there that, um, you know, could actually, you know, measure the, you know, if it's if, it, if the download tool is sitting on a, uh, you know, a server, that they could, you know, measure those tangible clicks. I wouldn't say that's our core business. On our side, I would absolutely measure any conceivable reference in many different ways to the actual show. And that could be not only the name of the show, it could be the host of the show. It could be the core themes. It could be the subject matters. But I would dissect the heck of that. So I wouldn't, it's not just overly simplified. Oh, they mentioned the show. You're really trying to find out to what extent did that show penetrate. And I would look at it over a long period of time. I would look for growth patterns. I would benchmark it. In fact, we always benchmark relative to peers. So there may be some podcast that you consider to be the gold standard. You know, we must be better than Joe Jaffe or we must be better than Jackie Huber or whoever it is. And, you know, we would look to find out, okay, to what extent are you starting to creep up in their direction? And if not, why? And this is where the the why factor is so important because you can start to dip into the conversation. Because I think the metrics that are really important are the ones that give you guidance on how you gain competitive advantage. I mean, how do I make this thing sticky? How do I make it popular? How do I make it viral? And that's where you need to strip the bark off the comments and really get to some, um, you know, um, context there. The other third component of what I would push, and this is, again, nothing original because this is what we typically do, is that let's say the show is on moms, okay? We would also take a much broader analytical look across the moms discussion landscape to find out what are the conversational issues that tend to spike the most. And you you always get a lot of surprises. You may find that all moms talk about is, um, you know, the stock market. You know, and the stereotype would say they talk about other things, but they're talking about the stock market. You know, and, and then that would be great data to take back to, you know, Kimberly Clark or, you know, Gerber's or P&G that's sponsoring the, the mom's, you know, podcast and say, hey, this is, a, this is a driver of discussion. This is something you should be looking at. And, um, um, you know, but that's a quantitative way of assessing what are the issues that will make the podcast successful. And then on top of that, you basically just apply your standard metrics to measure, you know, did, did, did they measure up to your expectations? You know, as you get, as you get deeper into this and, uh, and you're, I mean, you're, you're on a daily basis. You're thinking about this stuff with a lot of brain power over at Buzz Metrics and, and Nielsen. I mean, what, what's, what surprises you the most? What revelation have you had uh, as a result of this process that has really opened your eyes up to the opportunity here? Well, I'm actually, it's interesting, I'm the biggest, I mean, I'm, I'm, on one hand, I'm surprised at how much this is growing. On the other hand, I'm actually surprised more brands aren't jumping in. I don't think there's a high barrier to entry. I'm actually surprised more brands are not doing this on their own websites. I know that, 
you know, everyone's trying to get brands to sponsor content. I actually think brands have an enormous amount of expertise. And I think that the branding of the future is going to be less about, you know, it's going to be as much about demonstrating your expertise and authority on certain things. And I think that there are many brands that have a right to win. Um, I mean, think about explaining products, for example. I don't know if you've noticed on, you know, I've, I've downloaded a bunch of stuff on, you know, iTunes. I've actually noticed that a lot of the, both the video and the iPod, a lot of the video podcasts are focusing on instruction, you know, how to use products. I mean, that, I'm like shocked there aren't more brands that are just uploading podcasts that explain to people how to use products. I mean, I'm sure there's all sorts of research that says if you can get a consumer past the first two pages of a, of a, of a, a user manual, you'll move loyalty up by X. And so the goal I mean, we're pretty much a flat. I mean, I am. A, I'm kind of a flashcard person. I never get beyond the first couple pages of a manual. So, how do we use the podcast medium to begin to better articulate uses and benefits of products in a very user-friendly way? And blogs have taught us. All these free podcasting tools have taught us that it's not that difficult to do this. That's not to take away from the value of third parties like yourself that do superb you know, editorial, but I think there's another zone where brands could potentially be exploiting this medium much more aggressively. I think it was Nabisco that did, I could be getting this wrong, did a puppy cast. I mean, who else would have more authority than a Nabisco, an IAMS, a Ralston Perino in doing a puppy cast? So I think there's areas of authority where these brands should be jumping in. So I'm surprised there aren't more players doing this because I don't think it's that difficult. As you uh, get more and more familiar with these new measurements, these, these new metrics, what does it tell you about conventional measurement? I mean, what have you learned about perhaps the, the building blocks with which the advertising industry are, is currently built? Are they sound? I mean, I think there's a lot of, I mean, it sounds like a P&G term. You know, I think there's a lot of opportunities. I mean, I, I, I think that the, the digital medium is bringing a whole fresh um, way of measuring um, you know, advertising effectiveness. And I think it's not only bringing a fresh form, but it's bringing a very fluid and real time. I think that's partly what makes, um, you know, what we do so interesting. In fact, in many respects, we are kind of a counterpoint to traditional research, which tends to do time-stamped analysis. I mean, even this study here is very, you know, we did a survey of consumers. Here's what they thought. What I think is so powerful about measurements moving forward, and it clearly applies to the podcasting medium because, you know, between, you know, since the time that you and I started this conversation, there's probably been another 100,000 downloads. And isn't that an interesting world where you can literally track the stuff in real time? It's the same thing with the blog space. So I think there's, I think metrics are going to get a lot more interesting, partly because they're so fluid, they're so direct in real time, and because marketers now have. And, and where it becomes super useful to marketers is that the marketing toolkit has become much more agile. As we move more a- events and activities online, we have much more flexibility to adapt, evolve, contour our programs against those real-time needs as opposed to the world that I grew up in, at least in my first couple of years at Procter & Gamble, where you, you dump all that money into a TV ad, you spend months kind of planning the TV buy, and you don't, even if you did learn something super profound, it's not like you have a great deal of flexibility to do anything about it. And that's where the game is really changing. And frankly, if someone learns that no one's downloading their podcast, I'd say get back to the studio immediately and get another one up there. And the cost of doing that is probably a fraction of what it costs in the days of retooling a TV, a piece of TV copy. And that's exciting. And we will fail many times before we get to the right solution. 
but you know you can afford to fail a few times in these in these instances is the cpm measurement going to become less important you know i don't think it's going to go away and i i don't want to i think sometimes we oversimplify the you know cpm is going away i mean i think that um you know at the end of the day we're going to be buying against you know i mean cost per thousand and i think we to some extent we kind of get to that in different ways. I mean, I think what's going to be different is that we're going to have a whole other suite of analytics that sit on top of that, that complement it. I think this whole engagement discussion, although everyone is saying we need to move beyond reach and frequency and GRPs, I think what they're really saying is that we need some complementary data that deepens overall perspective. So I don't think it's going to become irrelevant anytime soon, but I think we're going to have all sorts of other um, tools in the mix. It's no different than you know, we're not saying use buzz metrics to replace traditional um, research. I still think focus groups have value, and I still think surveys have value. I, that, that said, I, you may not need to spend as much money as you used to on that, and you can complement it with some of these other tools that to some, may, may create exponential you know, um, value from an insight perspective from where you were before. So now you coined this term consumer-generated media. You've mentioned now that you think brands have a lot of expertise. They should be using podcasts to educate and inform clients about how to use their products. What would you call that? Is that is, do we need to coin a new term? Or are we going to move into corporate-generated media? I mean, it's no different than, I mean, I loosely, I mean, yeah, it's no different than what do you call, you know, blogs that, uh, you know, you know, the GM blog. I mean, technically it's borrowing from, consumer behavior and the consumer conversation, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure what you would call it. I mean, brand-sponsored, you know, content, um, you know, but the reality is in the podcast space, although it kind of was given birth primarily as this form of multimedia, consumer-generated media, if you look at the, I'm just looking at the iTunes top downloads, I mean, a lot of it still is repurposed traditional media, you know, radio shows that have ported over. I listen to a bunch of NPR stuff. You know, so I think that, um, um, you know, I think that, you know, CGM may be, it's a pretty big tent term, and I think it still includes some others. Do you have, do you have a suggestion? You got a name for me to put my next white paper for? I like, I like um, corporate-generated media. I think it's, it's very descriptive. It's, it's not ambiguous. I mean, people would probably say that's, that's pretty much what they've been doing for a long time. I think what's different is that it's, it's more conversational in the way they get it across. I mean, it's much more informal. It's obviously on demand. It's not in your face. You have to subscribe to the podcast, and very much like a blog, you elect to jump in. So there probably is some good, um, you know, some good term. But the key relationship with CGM, I think CGM is the cheat sheet that informs how you do it right. And as I've looked across all the clients that we've worked with that have really succeeded on blogs and podcasting and even in use of video, they are absolutely glued to the conversation without excuse. They are sniffing and listening and really trying to get a handle on how consumers are expressing themselves and they're going back to their organization and saying, how do we become more relevant to the way that they talk? And I mean, think of what GM did. I mean, I know GM's got some bigger issues that they're dealing with, but you know, they've, I think they've really started a meaningful conversation through the GM blog, and they're starting to do additional forms of that. And there's no question that they have been you know, tuned into um, you know, the conversation that's out there. I think that's what makes you know, corporate blogs so interesting. But again, that's just the start. I think these, you know, you know, even GM probably needs to do more work on you know, the podcasting front. So now... You're part of this larger organization, VNU's uh, Nielsen Media Research, 
And I imagine from time to time you're in a meeting with other divisions and a lot of the people you're meeting with are, you know, old guard media people and they have these <laughs> old metrics that they've been selling and that the business has been using to set advertising rates for decades. How are they regarding you? I mean, just generally, are, are you the resident geek? Or are they, or do they feel threatened? I mean, honestly, I think the biggest, yeah, it's a great question. Everyone asks me this. The biggest surprise for me is how excited and engaged everyone is in our model. I mean, no one's threatened. I think everyone is very eager to see, you know, how we can, you know, you know, complement existing models. And, you know, interestingly, as we learned in this report, I mean, we're not the only ones thinking about podcasting. There's other groups in, in, in Nielsen, probably many that are really thinking about this area. So there's quite, you know, even before Buzzmetrics, I think there's been a lot of thinking about the CGM space. And I think that, um, I, you know, again, I don't, I haven't been privy or haven't had nearly as much access to all these different parties, but I've been uh, pleasantly surprised at the, uh, the the progressive outlook on, you know, media from the organization, and everyone's taken a huge amount of uh, interest in what we've been doing. We've obviously been trying to disseminate as much good learning as we can. But I, I like it because I just, I'm, you know, I wouldn't consider myself a traditional researcher, but I love the process of consumer understanding, and there are dimensions of that where the other members of the family, whether it's Basie's, Nielsen Net Ratings, um, you know, Nielsen Media Research, can really bring a more holistic table, you know, perspective to the table. I mean, our data is 100 times more interesting when you look at, at it juxtaposed with um, TV data or juxtaposed with Nielsen Rating data or juxtaposed with other sources of data, you know, because then you can really answer the why. Well, why was there a spike? Well, look, a TV show started at that very moment. Um, so it's, it's pretty interesting. I've been pleasantly surprised. Pete Blackshaw, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com.